Hello, and welcome back to the Coconut Grove podcast. Katie here, and this week we are going to be chatting about nuance. Stay tuned. It's probably going to be a nuance take. Hello, it's Coconut Grove time. Hi. Hello to the watchers and hello to the listeners. Uh, Welcome back to the Coconut Grove. I'm Katie. This is my first official week of having a solo episode on camera. So let's see if I can actually make it through. Um, Complete transparency. When I usually record solo episodes, I do not record them straight through. I often have interruptions and I have ADHD, so my brain gets very sidetracked very easily, and sometimes it's hard for me to get back where I'm supposed to be. So usually when I record a solo, I'm all over the place. This is going to be a challenge to do it to camera, to not stop, to not do any takes, and let's see how it goes. Um, As I mentioned just a minute ago, we are going to be talking about nuance today, and it's probably going to be a nuance take on it, Um, but we're going to explain everything. What is nuance? When to use it? Does it get in the way? Um, And in what context does nuance usually show up? So that's kind of the gist of the episode. But before we get into it, let us lounge. Let's head into the lounge. Follow me. That was like feet sound effects. I don't know. Hi. Okay. So we're in the lounge. Um, Welcome to the Coconut Grove. If you are new here, when we come to the lounge, we just kind of shoot the shit. We talk, we get to know each other. Um, I'm usually talking at you, but please respond if you uh, feel the desire to. Uh, so we're going to go over a couple of things that we do every week. Uh, first is our stories or fun updates. Uh, I don't have any because <laughs> I don't really do much um, other than work and do the podcast and hang out with all five of my cats because I have five cats. Um, but I guess what makes this week different is I had jury duty for a few days and uh, that was like, eh. It's like civic duty, I guess. So just doing what I should be doing. Um, showed up, put a few days in, got selected for a jury pool, did not get selected on the actual jury. Uh, this is the second time I've had jury duty, the first time in LA. And yeah, it was okay. That's my update. That's my story. It's whatever. The next thing is sunshine medicine. And this is the thing that gives us like hope and excitement and like brought happiness to our lives this week. Um, so I have a couple, uh, two different sunshine medicines this week. The first one is chilly weather. Um, so wherever you are in the world or in the United States, it is fall. Um, well, I I shouldn't say wherever you are in the world in the United States, it is fall. Um, wherever you are in the world, the weather might be different, but here in LA, it's starting to get chilly. And what I mean by chilly in LA is like 60 degrees or like 55 degrees. That's like burr, like put on your mittens. It's cold, Um, which is hilarious, I'm sure, to the rest of the country. Um, So it's getting chilly. So I've been waking up and going on like 7 a.m., 8 a.m. walks right when it's like the coldest. That way I can bundle everywhere. Like I can put on a whole matching sweatsuit and put on my really comfy uh, platform Uggs. (laughs) which I had to call out as my second sunshine medicine item. Um, I put on my large coat, which I have here with me uh, in the video. You'll see it, I'm sure, later. And I just like to get as warm and cozy as possible so I can step out and walk in the chilly weather and feel like it's fall. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why that brings me such sunshine and joy, but it does. That, along with my Uggs, it, it just was like really powering my week. Uh, And the funny thing with these Uggs, my platform Uggs, is that this is something that was on Ashley's What's Hot list a couple of weeks ago, but it was not like what she thought was hot, but like what she noticed other people thought was hot. So she made a comment that like she didn't like them. She thought they were ugly. um, She didn't get the trend, but she noticed it was a trend. Um, And when she called that out, I was like, okay, I I can see like the certain types of Uggs that people are wearing and how they're like maybe not cute and like the platform adds a little weirdness to it. But they did have these very specific like strap style Uggs. I don't remember the name, but I will link it in the show notes. 
And basically, it's like a clog style with the platform, and then it has a strap in the back, like a like a slip-on shoe. And I'm obsessed with these. I take them everywhere. I would put that on my what's hot, but it really is my sunshine medicine. It like just brought me so much joy. I have them on all the time now because they're comfortable and it's kind of like a low-key flex to be like, oh yeah, these are real Uggs because 99% of the time, if you know me, I'm buying the knockoff version. I do not usually buy the name brand version of many things because I don't always see a point, but I could not find any dupes for this specific style. So I said, okay, whatever, I'm just going to go for it. And that's my sunshine medicine. Okay. Um, Also, for the viewers, you will see my ADHD and my um, kind of like movement in action because I cannot sit still. Um, I hope it's not too distracting, but maybe it's like the right amount of distracting in the video that you're like, oh, okay, like I'm paying attention. Like, Does it help or does it not help? I don't know. Before we get sidetracked, I just wanted to add that in there. Okay, the next category is what I'm looking forward to. Uh, This could be anything that I'm looking forward to, short-term, long-term, doesn't really matter. We kind of leave that open-ended. What I'm looking forward to is cozy season. As I just mentioned, I am like in it full swing. I love the cozy. I have the best time with cozy weather. So looking forward to it just staying chilly or getting chillier and I can just like bundle up everywhere. I also am entering my ambition era possibly, which is exciting. Um, Listen to Ashley's last episode, the last episode we just did, 49. Ashley did a great um, like review on what is ambition versus hustle culture and like how the two tie together or like maybe are completely different. Um, Great episode. Go listen to it. Um, but for me, I'm entering my ambition era. I think I feel like I'm ready to double down and do the work that I feel like doing and not feel obligated to doing. So looking forward to that. All right. And then everybody's favorite part of the lounge, the what's hot. Um, this is slowly starting to be like my, my take at being an influencer, Because some of the things that we recommend, you guys are reaching out and letting us know that you have tried it or you also agree that it's hot. And I can't tell you how satisfying that feels as somebody who recommends things like not for a living, but like mentally I do it for a living. I guess like I don't make any real money off of recommending things, but I am such a recommendy person. I'm always dying to tell people what I'm using because I think I always find the best stuff. So... (laughs) Uh, somebody tagged us in um, uh, on Instagram the other day of the Tower 28 mascara that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, a couple episodes ago on my What's Hot. So um, I'll plug that again because it's literally the best mascara ever. I cannot say that enough. Tower 28. But on my real list, I have three things. I made an agenda, um, like a journal, And I don't know if I've talked about that on the podcast before. Maybe I have, but I definitely told Ashley about it. And I told her that I was like wanting to make my own or maybe make it for the coconut grove. Um, So I officially made one. I spent like two weeks on it trying to decide what I wanted it to look like, what categories I wanted. Um, But I officially made it custom to myself and I love it. I think it's, oh, it's like perfect. Uh, Let me know if you're interested in seeing uh, what categories I put on my agenda or journal or daily planner, whatever you call it. Uh, And I'm happy to share that. Um, But that's really like, it's really helping me like focus on what I want to work on and then also stay organized. So it's a win-win. The other thing on my list is the Pura Purifier. P-R, I'm sorry, (laughs) I can't spell. P-U-R-A pure purifier. And this is like, um, like a scent, like, you know, those wall plugins, like the glad glad guide. I'm not really sure. Uh, but you can get them at like Walmart target, whatever. And they're like plugins that you can put on your wall to like really scent. So it's essentially a grown up fancy version of that. But the scents that they have are from really big fragrance brands. Um, Like Archipelago, I guess, is a big one. Um, They have the scents that Anthropology uses. Um, They have Nest, the candles from Nest. They have those scents. So they're really high-end, really high-quality scents. 
I guess, like fragrance oils or diffused oils. I'm not really sure what the ingredients are. I'll be completely honest. But the cool part about this is that you can stick two of those like little diffuser refills inside the purifier at once. And um, I guess it's like a diffuser more than a purifier. But it it releases the smell, whichever, like whatever you choose. Like you can get the app on your phone, download the app, choose, like put the scents in the little pure thing, and then you can choose which scent you want to like, I guess like go around the house. I don't know why my words are hard today. Sorry, keep up with me. <laughs> um yeah, so you can choose a scent that you want to like kind of like go around your house and then you can time it too. So you can say, okay, between this hour and this hour, I want this scent to go. And between this hour and this hour, I want it to change to this other scent. It also has a nightlight and the nightlight changes like colors too. So I have two, the two scents. Um, one is like a daytime neutral scent and I have that on with like a yellow light. And then at like mid-afternoon, it changes to a pumpkin scent because I want it to be like cozy and like, I don't know, just like homey. So I change it to the pumpkin scent. It changes automatically and then it changes the light to purple. So it's like kind of gives me like a, a mood change for my day. I'm obsessed. I think it's so cool. I probably went on way too long a rant just talking about that one product, but I love it. My house smells so good, like 24-7. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Okay, last thing on my what's hot, so we can actually dive into the conversation, um, is <laughs> I'm just going to call the Skinny Confidential, like, everything that they do. Um, I started out as a hater, and I don't mean, like, ew, like, ugh, like, hating, but, like, I didn't get the hype until I tried the products, okay? I tried the Skinny Confidential Ice Roller first, and that has been on my what's hot list a couple of times because it's the best ice roller I've ever used on my face. It's so good. And uh, Nestor, my boyfriend, asks me to like roll his face out uh, in the mornings too when it's still cold because he loves it. It just wakes you up. It like reduces the puffiness on your face, the redness, everything. So I started with that. But then they did a partnership with Doe, the like raw cookie dough company. I think it's Doe. Anyways, they came out with a special flavor, pink frosting, which was basically like dragon fruit and pomegranate and then like jasmine flavor. I think that's what it was added into their regular dough, like cashew butter cookie dough. So that way you can like eat it raw, right? No, it's like vegan and all of that. Um, I ordered the pink frosting dough cookies and the face oil because it came in like a package and oh... I'm officially obsessed with this brand. I Everything they put out so far, I'm like, okay, I get the hype. I get the hype. It's so good. The pink frosting cookies, if they are still in stock, please get them for your own sake. They are so good. Nestor is always asking me to like make more or like share with him because I won't share with him. And I'm like rationing out my three jars because I don't want to eat them all because they're so good. Um, and then the face oil which I guess they recommend using either with their like facial massager or their ice roller. Um, I got it with the cookie dough package because they, they offered it and I bought it that way. Um, it is the best face oil. Oh my gosh. It like absorbs right into your skin. And apparently it's like to depuff. I don't really notice that aspect of it, but I do love the moisturization and I love a really good quality skin oil that like sinks right into my skin. It's, it's awesome. Okay, that's it. That's on my what's hot. <laughs> that was the lounge. Now, without further ado, let us go over to today's topic. Um, episode goals, okay? We're going to talk about nuance. We're going to talk about what it is, when you need to do it, and maybe think about the ways that it kind of gets in the way or derails a conversation. Uh, the other goal is to talk about the context in which nuance is needed most, because I think context is important in conversations like these. And then I also want to discuss polarization, intersectionality, and duality, and how these relate to nuance uh, or are very similar in the same kind of league. Okay? Okay, let's do it. Let's talk nuance. Dance break. Okay. Hello. 
talk nuance. Now, before we really dive into this conversation, let me preface by saying that we're we're not Ashley and I are not educators. We do not have the degrees or the reputation or the backgrounds to consider ourselves educators on any big topic. Ashley could probably educate you on watercolor painting and genetics, but like that's where the line stops. And then for me, I could probably educate you on photography and like maybe pop culture, but like, again, that's where it stops. So with our podcast, something that we really wanted to be careful of was having really, really big conversations, but also being able to communicate that we are not like the experts, the go-to, and we do not try to be. So if we're approaching a big conversation and we know we're not going to cover it all, we try and either give you the resources to continue your education, or um, if we're covering a very big topic, we try at the very least to cover it from you know two, two to three different perspectives. Because we realize that not everybody has our brains. Um, I'm the only me. Ashley is the only her. We all have different experiences and we come from different backgrounds. So it's really important to understand with our show that nothing that we say is like fact, unless I guess that we say it is. (laughs) Um, So always take shows like ours and just shows in general, when it doesn't come from somebody with an actual background and the information they're talking about, take it with a grain of salt. So um, going into this conversation of nuance, we I would like for it to be more of a nuanced conversation because I'm not going to cover it all. And I only have my one perspective. Um, I can listen to other perspectives and bring those perspectives into this conversation. But at the end of the day, those are not things that I have personally experienced. So I need to be open to other thoughts and ideas. So I ask you guys to do the same. Cool? Cool. All right. Let's do an explainer. What is nuance? Let's start there. So the dictionary definition is a subtle difference in shade of meaning, expression, or sound. So I think it's really interesting that the dictionary gives you the very specific word shade. Like they're talking about like on very small scale. It's, I think with that word shade, we're already pointing out that nuance is not black and white. It's that stuff in between. It's the shade of meaning, expression, or sound in subtle differences. So that's the definition um, of nuance from the dictionary. And the example they give is the nuances of facial expression and body language. So it's those subtle shades of difference. Um, That's just a very high level explainer. Um, Some other ways to think of nuance. Uh, Nuance can be seen as the thought that multiple things are true at once. And uh, things are not black or white, but there is a gray area in between. Uh, Some say that nuance specifically requires critical thinking because you are going to operate in that gray area of it is not this, it is not that, it's kind of somewhere in between. So that's a quick explainer of nuance. Let's talk about maybe why it's needed. Think about what I just said a second ago. Think about all of the different experiences that people, that the human can go through, can experience themselves. Think of all of the different perspectives, cultural norms, and other things that a person will go through that contributes to their point of view. Examples of how people literally view things differently, like actually literally scientifically view differently. Um, Well, first of all, we can talk about the mind's eye. Some people can visualize in detail, like a full movie, like tell them to close their eyes and visualize something, give them a two sentence description and they can do it like that. Now, there are other people who exist in this world who cannot see a thing. You can tell them, you can be as descriptive as you want. Their mind stays blank. Now, one mind is not better than the other. And oftentimes, and you listening to this might be like, "Mm, I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, because that gray area exists. It's not that everyone can see with their mind's eye, and it's not that no one can see. These exist, but also so do the rest of the people in the middle. Something interesting to think about. Colors as well. 
um, on a smaller scale, people perceive colors differently. Uh, And this is where the arguments come in of like, is that purple? Is that blue? Well, some people, their eyes will perceive it blue and some people will perceive it more purple or whatever it was. Um, Neither of them are wrong necessarily because we also have to consider that there are colors that the human eye cannot see. We know that they exist scientifically. There is evidence that these colors exist. Easiest example is ultraviolet. We know that the color exists, but we physically cannot see it. So I think that's, it's an important um, similarity to connect to because it's really easy to be like, I have the facts. I'm looking the facts in the eyes. I have the facts. And then somebody else from their perspective say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I contribute to that with the fact that I have too? Um, And it can sometimes turn into an argument from there in a spiral. But I think that's where nuance is more easily identified is in those scenarios of like, okay, what about colors we can't see? Okay, what about people who cannot visualize? Because those exist. So I think that's kind of a, a recap of why we need to think of nuance because there isn't just one way of being. What about the arguments against nuance? Um, <laughs> I didn't realize there would be so much pushback on nuance when I was doing this research. Um, but I mean, it makes sense, right? So if we're going to be talking about the positives and the negatives and the somewheres and betweens, um, let's talk about the negatives. Why, why would people make an argument against having nuanced conversations? Um, so I'm going to pull a couple of articles and a couple of captions, not captions, paragraphs. My brain is on social media mode, apparently. Um, so I'm going to uh, pull some paragraphs and read these to you. Uh, sources always linked below. So anything that I pulled word for word from uh, and anything that I used to reference for this episode will be in the show notes. Um, Okay, so this article is titled Excessive Nuance and Derailing Conversations. So basically that they argue that excessive nuance is an etiquette faux pas, and it can often remove the conversation entirely from the original point. Now, I'm sure that you have been on one side or the other of that conversation where you're trying to explain uh, something to somebody and they're like, well, what about all these other intangible ideas? it's frustrating to be on the other side going, okay, let's pull it back down to earth. And like, let's talk about the one issue that I brought up. We can talk about the other stuff later, but right now let's talk about the one thing. So that's kind of what the article was highlighting. And I thought it was interesting that they explain it like it's a, like it's an etiquette issue. It's like (laughs) not understanding when to move on or how far to uh, divert from the conversation or the original point. which you might know my thoughts on already, so I don't really need to cover that. Um, Okay, so continuing into their article, they point out that the constant shifting of conversations due to the application of excessive nuance can be counterproductive in many contexts. There is a suitable place and time for nuance, and some uh, some discussions just don't call for it, especially in particular matters. Uh, They continue that nitpicking takes the form of applying excessive nuance in order to miss the point entirely. So I guess what they're saying is like, well, when you're really focused on a word somebody is using to describe their experience, when you're focused on like one specific detail, when you're nitpicking, you're completely missing the point and uh, further derailing the conversation. So I think, I think this person makes a lot of really, uh, really solid points. And I, I totally agree that it, we absolutely could be reaching this point in a conversation when we apply too much nuance. Uh, So in this article, they had comments. So I scrolled down and I've read a couple of the comments. Uh, One commenter argued against the original point of the article. They said that, um, I find the critical distinction between rigor and nitpicking is to be whether the detail being argued is critical to the foundation of any of the argument's premises. So what they're saying is they're like, okay, I I understand that people can be nitpicky, but is the thing that they're nitpicking on, that that thing of nuance, really important to the foundation of your argument? So if you're saying, you know, red is a bad color, and they're like, oh, okay, well, 
what about pink? Pink includes red and white. And in these scenarios, and they're like, hey, we're not talking about pink. We're talking about red. The other person might be like, okay, did you know red is in pink? Without red, there would not be pink. So it's like that kind of situation. Arguments could be made for or against it in that situation. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. Um, I just find that interesting. Um, so in a New York Times article, they also talk about nuance in kind of like a negative way. And I found it really interesting that the way that they highlighted this. So they say, nuance has become a rally cry for those who feel, if not impacted by the Me Too, Me Too movement, worried by its momentum. Sexual encounters, they say, are shaded and complex, and we must not let these conversations become too charged or too simplistic. So the argument against nuance in this scenario is basically saying if you've been accused of sexual assault or some sort of sexual encounter, um, it's very easy for the person who's being accused to be like, oh, you know, it's not that simple. It wasn't as simple as she said no. It was more nuanced than that. I can understand that this uh, this uh, writer in the New York Times article is seeing this from a, a point of view uh, that removes accountability. So when we're, they argue that, you know, when we have too much nuance, when somebody's calling for more nuance, especially in situations like these, what they're trying to do is avoid accountability. So I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, the article also talks about political nuance and how... Ultimately, nuance in politics is kind of pointless because at the end of the day, there's only two voting options. Now, you might argue that there's not just two voting options, but in the United States, we have a two-party voting system. You are, at the very end of the day, it's either Republican or Democrat that goes up. Um, We've had a lot of uh, attention on independents, uh, independent candidates, and what that means and how it's possible. Uh, but at this point in our United States, uh, in our government, we are we are a two-party system. Uh, so I found it really interesting that this article pointed that out of like, okay, well, we can be as nuanced as you want about political issues, but at the end of the day, there's two options to vote on. So I thought that was really interesting. They also explain that nuance is really difficult on social media, especially Twitter, because of character limits. If you're only given 140 characters, no, you cannot be nuanced on the topic that you're talking about. So uh, uh, choice of words is really important. So something to chew on. Um, In my research, I also came across an article that proposed nuance as sort of a postmodern action, I guess, or or belief. So what is postmodern? I wanted to answer that. Um, So they credit Linda Hutcheron, Hutchin, I don't know how to pronounce that that name. (laughs) I'm very bad at words. Uh, So Linda is a literary theorist and critic you are all probably like, of course we know who this is. You don't? You're so uneducated. Just kidding. Don't say that. I don't care if you do either way. (laughs) Anyways, um, so this literary theorist and critic said that if modernism stood for a form of purpose and hierarchy, then postmodernism represents anti-form, play, and anarchy. So then we have Alexander Roseberg, a philosopher of social science. They said that postmodernism does not attempt to solve a problem of what is right in a social science, but by a close examination of the alternatives, their goals, and methods. Rather, it purports to pull the rug out from underneath both sides. What does that mean in all of those words? (laughs) Because I don't know if I read that correctly. (laughs) Um, The gist of it is that, you know, if if there exists on one scale something to make things right, like let's say modernism is to make things right, make things, you know, um, equal, then postmodernism comes into this idea of we're not trying to make things right. We're trying to understand what's going on here and what's going on here so we can sit in this middle. So I thought that was a really interesting parallel, especially if you are um, a fan of the arts and you are a fan of postmodern art specifically. It really does play into this idea of anti-form and anarchy. Um, I like that that parallel is played into 
nuance in in this light of conversations. So I don't know. Did any of that make sense? Are we lost? (laughs) I can understand if we are. Um, We're going to move on. Hey, happy holidays. What are you going to get for gifts this year? Oh, gosh, such a good question. I actually have no idea. I'm stuck in a spiral of trying to decide what's a good gift, what's a bad gift, and what's just going to get thrown out in January. Do you have any ideas? I totally get that. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, Have you thought about puzzles? Uh, No, absolutely not. Puzzles give me old man vibes. No. (laughs) Okay, not puzzle. A puzzle puzzle makes an ordinary night feel like a party. Their puzzles feature fun and eclectic designs like my favorite balls in your court, which show off disco balls because you know I love to dance. Wait, wait, that looks really cute and really fun. What other designs do they have? Okay, so I have picked out my second favorite, which I think is perfect for you. Sugar Daddy! Because, of course, Nestor is an amazing chef, and you guys love fine dining. I'm literally obsessed. Okay, uh, how much do they cost? Let's be real. We're in a recession. I know, I know. Actually, their small bundle set is pretty great. It's $52. But get this, we have partnered with Puzzle Puzzles, and we're giving away a gift set for the holidays and one for the Coconut Grove anniversary. Oh my gosh. Okay, give me all the details, please. Okay, so for the main winner for the Coconut Grove anniversary, we're giving away the four-pack of the thousand-piece puzzles, which features our two favorites, and two other designs, which are Nectar of the Gods and Roll the Dice. Is there a runner-up? Yes, for the runner-up for the holidays, we're giving away their two 500-piece puzzles that's cool as a cucumber and pie in the sky. Super cute. I'm literally obsessed. Okay, where can I find them year-round? Because these are definitely going to be more than just a seasonal product. Totally agree. So if you want to go and pick up any of these for yourself at any point in the year, check out puzzlepuzzle.com. That's P-E-Z-E-L puzzle.com. And use our promo code, guys. We have a promo code. C-O-C-O-A-N-U-T-G-R-O-V-E 20 for 20% off your first order. Dang, that's a great deal. Okay, I'm officially stocking up now. Thank you so much, Ashley. You bet. I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of words that I want you guys to know um, in context of nuance, because I think these are very similar to nuance and could help you in your conversations further if you did want to take this outside of the podcast world. Uh, So let's talk about polarization. What is polarization? The dictionary definition is a division into two sharp contrasting groups or a set of opinions or beliefs. The example is the polarization of society between rich and poor. Social polarization is the segregation within a society that emerges when factors such as income and inequality, real estate fluctuations, and economic displacement result in the differentiation of social groups from high income to low income. So polarization in a social manner, usually when it comes to income. Uh, or where you're placed in society. So how does polarization happen? Um, An article from Scientific American essentially blames influencers or people with power. Uh, They describe that their term of influencers are people who exert a disproportionate level of influence over a group. Um, So use the term influencer in that kind of context. Um, So they, they essentially blame people of power for polarization. Um, but also on another level outside of our actual little grimy hands, um, a lot of that lies in media, in consumer data, uh, in algorithms that change based on the information that they're taking from us. Um, so thinking on social media, something as really easy as Facebook, right? Everybody knows that there's on whatever side of beliefs of politics you live on, there's always that crazy aunt or, you know, sister in whatever, in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. You know somebody on Facebook who is just sharing the most, like, out their beliefs of the thing that they believe. So if they're right wing, they're really, 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 really right. And they're, you know, maybe they're QAnon, right? They're going all the way out there. And then on the other side, you have somebody who's really, 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 really left and who's, you know, saying, let's go socialism. Let's go 
communism or whatever. So that's what polarization is. It's like the complete opposite sides where there is nothing in between. And what I find interesting about polarization is it's kind of like necessary for media because without without you feeling one way or another, you don't really take action. And we'll revisit that in a second. I want to talk about duality. So duality refers to having two parts, often with opposite meanings. And duality conveys that every aspect of life is created from a balanced interaction of opposite and competing powers. In my mind, I think yin-yang, but maybe that's wrong. Um, so this um, exp- this like article explains that without light, darkness does not exist. Those That is duality. Um, so in life, we exist with duality. We do not exist on one way or another without, it's, it's like this concept of the circle of life without animals dying and fertilizing the ground. Then the animals that are alive do not have something to feed from. It's kind of that concept. And then let's talk about intersectionality before we move on to the last part of the show. So intersectionality is the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender as they apply to given or individual group, regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. The example, though an awareness of intersectionality, why do I have such a hard time reading? This is why I'm not a reading person. It doesn't say though, it says through because I can read. Through an awareness of intersectionality, we can better acknowledge and ground the differences among us. Put simply, intersectionality is the concept that all oppression is linked. So I'm going to read from this article if my words will work with me. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about intersectionality in the context of feminism. So this feminist writer writes that intersectionality is such a vital framework to understanding systems of power because women is not a catch-all category that also defines our relationships to power. A Black woman may experience misogyny misogyny and racism, but she will experience misogyny differently than from a white woman and racism differently than from a Black man. The work towards women's rights must be intersectional. Any feminism that purely represents the experiences of white, middle-class, able-bodied, heterosexual, etc., will fail to achieve equality for all. So, um, to sum up intersectionality, it's like I'm, it, oppression does not exist on th- on the solo. Like, there's always some other cause, and there's always something else that contributes to it. Um, I'm also going to include this really interesting wheel of power slash privilege. I found this in my research, and essentially it gives a simplified way to reflect on the, manner inters- <laughs> on the many intersecting identities and power struggles that we engage with. So kind of like the pyramid of conspiracies that I showed on the Halloween episode, this is a wheel of power and privilege. So you can really see where things intersect. Um, check it out. See what areas sound like you and what types of privilege maybe you don't see on the wheel. And you can think about how other uh, people that you work with, where they might be sitting on the wheel. So I think it's really interesting. When we think of experiences, we cannot think of them in one solo situation. We have to think of all these other situations that kind of like bounce around it that relate to it. So all of that essentially boiled down is nuance. Okay. Did we follow that? Did we get lost? Did I read something wrong and you get really confused? That's okay (laughs) because I get confused too. Let us know what your further questions are on nuance if you have any and provide feedback if you need a little bit more help here. Okay. Let's move on to the last bit. Let's have a little discussion on the context of nuance and where this plays in. All right. Let's do a little dance break. Okay, that was like the the lamest dance break ever because I didn't want my chair to squeak. <laughs> I don't know. Can you hear that? Maybe not. Okay. Let's do a little discussion on nuance and um, talk about the context in which they show up. 
So uh, where does the term nuance show up most in conversation? Politics is is what comes to mind first. Um, arguments can be made for and against having, having more nuance in these conversations. Um, but I just want to add this bit from the New York Times because I think it's also really interesting. It says, this kind of subtlety is not much use in politics if we assume politics to be primarily about achieving power. A leader who recognizes nuance may be nice, but a nuanced campaigner is a bad campaigner. A nuanced speaker risks being misunderstood. Nuanced proposals sound like a compromise. A politician steeped in nuance may not appear to be smart, but spineless. A politician who avoids it may not seem simple-minded, but determined. So I thought that was interesting. Because that's not a very nuanced take on it either, is it? It's it's a very cut and dry take of, well, if you if if people want to stay in power, they need uh, need to be polarizing. That's kind of where that comes in. So I thought that was interesting. Um, nuance comes up often in beauty standards and talks about beauty standards. Um, I saw this interesting TikTok of um, uh, a woman essentially being upset at another woman for conforming to beauty standards, um, and it was like making her less of a woman because she is changing herself based on what she believes would uh, bring her approval from society or like the male gaze. And the thing about beauty standards is like, yes, they're set, but just because one woman follows them and one woman doesn't means the woman who doesn't is like a better woman. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that at all. So um, I, I find that nuance is often required in conversations around beauty standards. Uh, same thing with mental health. Uh, the question is often around like what behaviors are acceptable and appropriate. What do you allow space for? What do you allow forgiveness for? And where do you draw hard boundaries? Um, I think especially when it comes to an individual, you need to have an individual take. And then the last thing is social media. Um, nuance often comes up in the in uh, conversations of cancel culture. Um, and again, polarization, if things are not polarizing, they're not attracting attention, um, from the comments to the videos, to the captions themselves, everything needs to be polarizing to attract attention one way or another. Um, nuance does not have an easy time on social media because often topics are too large to discuss in the short amounts of time. And also you never know who's going to view your video or, or read your post. Like you, you might think that you have the best take on a topic ever, but then you'll have somebody commenting that, you know, maybe they actually experienced something completely different. Um, so nuance has a really hard time on social media, but that's where it's, uh, the conversations around it are being held. Uh, so what is nuance in the context of culture? Um, so this idea of cancel culture is the idea that like people are good or bad, um, but obviously people are not that way. Um, you have people kind of con conflicted that they don't want to be on, on the bad side, the canceled side, but they have opinions that they can't vocalize because they're trying to stay on the good side. So they're trapping themselves essentially. So with cancel culture on the internet and um, creating productive conversations around big issues. So, so essentially we need to be looking at this as if the goal is to start a productive dialogue with somebody, um, we should not be yelling at them to understand a point of view that they've never heard before. Um, so when it comes to making like uh, canceling somebody versus teaching somebody, we haven't really found the right way to do that on the internet so much. Um, and that's kind of where cancel culture really comes in of like, you said something bad, you are canceled, you are a bad person, you should never be around. And obviously we know that cancel culture is not a real thing necessarily because we see that these people do come back. And um, like Kevin Spacey has a show or a movie or something like that. And um, these people are coming back and making money. So cancel culture at the end of the day does nothing. Um, okay, a couple other things that I want to talk about. Um, I talked a, a little bit about like accountability with nuance, and I wanted to add that arguments can be made uh, on both sides of like for being nuanced on something that you need to be accountable for and against. Um, so at the end of the day, like 
if somebody does something at fault, they should accept responsibility. But at the same time, the people who are blaming or putting fault on you need to understand like where all of that came from, because otherwise we're missing opportunities to teach people. Um, if you want somebody to stay accountable, they need to understand fully what, what they need to be accountable for. And then also, are we really trying to create perfect people by keeping people accountable all the time for things that maybe they didn't understand. And I mean this on the very like lightest way. I do not mean on <laughs> in the terms of crimes. If somebody committed a crime, yes, keep them accountable. Um, but if it's like a simple misunderstanding, like maybe we don't need to be too harsh, right? Okay, let's wrap this up. I want to quickly talk about the spiral of ethics and something that I experience often and that I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. Um, Essentially, you send yourself literally into a spiral of questions trying to make the most ethical choice. And in these situations, nuance does not live. Nuance does not like the spiral of ethics um, because you're asking yourself, like when you're buying groceries or you're going thrifting or you're trying to figure out what to do with your time, you're, you're rejecting ideas that you've given to yourself because of some like ethical concern. Like you cannot buy from this company because they use X. And if you buy this other alternative then you get why, and both are really problematic, et cetera, et cetera. A good example of this spiral of ethics is in The Good Place. Um, so spoiler, if you've never seen The Good Place, um, basically at the very end of the show, you realize that there is no such thing as a good place because everybody went to hell. Everybody went to the bad place because no matter what you did, you you would do something without the knowledge that you did something wrong. So like the example was like, oh, you bought your wife flowers? That's great. Did you know that the flowers had pesticides and these flowers were transported on this truck all the way from the, across the globe? And like, it's it's you trying to like genuinely do a nice thing, but capitalism has infected everything and everywhere. So um, there is obviously, as we know, no ethical consumption under capitalism. So don't send yourself in a spiral of ethics. Um, instead, do your best, advocate for change, and then take action where you can. All right? Okay. Um, I want to quickly cover some advice on how you can learn to be more nuanced. If you are, if your takeaway from this is like, okay, I could probably stand to live in the gray area a little bit more. How do I find that? Um, so my question was like, can nuance be taught? And I actually found a mommy blog that did that did uh, uh, talk about nuance and talk about the ways that we can teach it to children. Um, so they encourage parents to teach nuance at a young age. And they say, admittedly, children are inclined to, to accept simple, fast answers to big questions. But there are ways to encourage them to keep an open mind and dig deeper. This gives an example of ask questions like, would you feel the same way if you were somewhere else in a different place, time, or situation? Make sure that they understand any big issue affects various people in various ways. Using role play is often effective as in playing dress up or asking them literally to walk in someone else's shoes. I think that's awesome advice. And I don't think it's just for children. I think adults especially could, could stand to practice this a little bit more. Um, and then I also found this article that gave us a very simple three-step process to learning how to be more nuanced. Step one, pay attention to automatic responses. Take a few seconds to ask yourself whether you are, uh, whether your conclusion truly captures the nuance of a topic or if it's an automatic thought. I definitely experience automatic thoughts where these are like, oh, nope, I immediately disagree with everything you've said before I've even heard the person before I even heard what they had to say. So think about that when you're having conversations. Um, this says, the second step, beware of false dichotomies. Consider additional options that may not contradict the existing two options, or consider whether these two options are truly incompatible or whether everything lies on a spectrum instead, which is most often true. Okay, and then the last step, to learning to be more nuanced is avoid overgeneralizing. Try to consider the context in which you are evaluating an idea. Instead of relying on past experience only, 
Examine all current evidence. Make sure your sample size is also large enough to draw the conclusion. I think that's great. Scientifically backed, great way to think about an argument. All right. Let's end it with something fun because it's November. And if you're on TikTok, you know about No Nuance November. What is No Nuance November, you ask? Basically, people are leaving their hot takes and walking away. No explanation needed. No nuance. Just here's a hot take. Goodbye. So that's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to give you a hot take. I'm going to give you 10 hot takes. And then I'm going to peace out. And that's going to be the episode, okay? All right. Hot take one. The Coconut Grove podcast is the podcast to look out for for 2023. (laughs) Two. You can't trust people who don't like pets or don't have pets. If they don't have pets, I I mean, this is me not, oh, no, no, no. I'm trying to be nuanced. No, no, no. That's it. That's it. Number three, we are all living on a floating rock in outer space and could absolutely use that perspective more. Four, if he wanted to, he would, or she, or he, they, anything. I already said he. If they want to, they will. Okay? Five. Most people do not have a healthy relationship with food. Six. Pretty privilege does exist, but it it exists on a scale. Not pretty, not ugly, but it exists. Is that nuance? (laughs) Seven. If people supported their friends' ambitions and small businesses more, we would not be stuck in such a capitalistic hellhole. Okay? I wouldn't be stuck with my target. That's a conversation for another day. Eight. Everyone needs to work a service job sometime in their life. And I'm going to add to that. They need to encounter a really, really mean person. They need to have to serve that person. Know what that feels like. (laughs) Nine. Ego gets in the way of everything. But also, those ego death people have the worst egos. Why? I thought your ego was dead. (laughs) Okay, and 10. Society has forgotten how to let people be imperfect. I space that one out for you. Society has forgotten how to let people be imperfect for the drama. Okay, that's it. That's our show. This is The Coconut Grove. I'm Katie. Thank you so much for listening. Follow along on our social medias at Coconut Grove Pod, I believe. Is it really bad that I completely forgot what our handle is? I had it right. (laughs) Okay, you can follow us at Coconut Grove Pod. You can follow us on Instagram and on TikTok. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Katie Dessen. You can follow Ashley at Ashley Hansen and and at The Paper Poppy. Uh, This is our show. This is a Coconut Grove. We have episodes every Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to be more nuanced, but also don't derail conversations. Have a lovely day and we will see you next week.